0: Welcome to the Daily Standard Podcast. It's October 10th, 2018. I'm Charlie Sykes broadcasting from Midtown Manhattan today. And Adam, Adam Rubenstein and Jim Swift are uh, in Washington, D.C. And I appreciate the fact that you joined me. Thanks for having us, Charlie. Thank you. Thank you. OK, so because I'm I'm in New York and you're in D.C., we have to talk about Wisconsin. There's a new poll out uh, this afternoon, the Marquette University Law Poll, which uh, we all uh, agree to to call the gold standard you know with an asterisk behind it because it got some races wrong last time but it shows uh governor scott walker up by 1 point over his democratic challenger tony evers which is a reversal of the previous poll but What I find most remarkable, given how polarized the electorate in Wisconsin is nationally, that same poll, which has a slight Republican skew in the sample, shows Democrat Tammy Baldwin with a 10 point lead, which means that apparently there are a bunch of unicorns running around Wisconsin who are going to vote for Scott Walker and for Tammy Baldwin. Just when you thought you figured out American politics, it goes, it's completely bizarre.
1: Char- Charlie, I, I, I defer to you as a Wisconsinite. I'm a fellow Midwestern myself. Uh, I, I likely evoke av- um myself. And... It, I don't know. I mean, Scott Walker has always kind of fashioned himself as a pragmatist. And then you kind of see these ads from from saying, you know, we're going to start taking bureaucracies out of Washington, D.C. It seems to me personally as someone who's like kind of watched the ads and, and likes her and prefers her to Tammy Baldwin is someone who's kind of like perhaps maybe taking bad advice from consultants who, you know, are recycling ideas that like Republicans have stupidly shared for decades.
0: That, that 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 could be. The other of course factor is is that uh you know, you have two incumbents who are much better known than their their challenger. But with Scott Walker, nothing ever moves. That that's that's the thing to understand about Walker's poll numbers, is they're always locked in place. And every race feels exactly the same. Where we are, he falls behind, everybody panics, then he pulls even, and then he ekes out a victory with 51, 52 of, of, percent of the vote. Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, Buchmer's campaign has been, um, shall we say, uh, less than inspired. However, they had a debate earlier this week in which, in which, bizarrely, Tammy Baldwin was awful. I mean, this is a woman who's been in the United States Senate for 6 years she'd been in congress before that she'd been in the legislature before that and she showed up uh, about as uh, not ready for prime time as any candidate for statewide office I've ever seen so I don't believe that debates make a difference but that was certainly a high point of the of the Vukmer campaign although I'm not suggesting that it's any kind of a turning point all right uh, Gentlemen, I want to start off by talking about. Uh, I don't want to talk about Hillary Clinton, but let's talk about Hillary Clinton anyway. Hillary Clinton reminds us once again why she is not the president of the United States and uh, why 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 she is uh, why, why she can you know continues to be a uh, well shall we say the the one of the, the least popular uh, Democrats in the in the country. That's not what I really wanted to say, but you know, part of my naivete has been to believe that the 2020 race might be about making America decent again, making America good again. The Democrats might decide, you know, you run against Trump by a return to some sort of just, you know, fundamental American, you know, just, uh, you know, civility. Um, That's really naive. And I think we've been seeing it as the Democratic Party uh, embraces people like Michael Avenatti. But then there was Hillary Clinton, who sits down with Christine Amanpour, who asks her about, you know, they're discussing her feelings about democracy and why she is concerned that Trumpism represents a threat to democracy. And she's asked about the re- restoration of civility. And here's a chance for Hillary Clinton, former United States Senator, former First Lady, former Secretary of State. To make a statement in favor of returning to civility instead she had this to say
2: you cannot be civil a political party that wants to destroy what you stand for what you care about that's why i believe if we are fortunate enough to win back the house and or the senate that's when civility can start again but until then the only thing that the republicans seem to recognize and respect is strength and you heard how the republican members led by mitch mcconnell the president really demeaned the confirmation process
0: okay who wants to grab this one jim jim swift
1: well you know adam and i were talking right before we came into the podcast studio here and uh adam pointed out that there uh you know there's that kind of I guess, within recent politics, famous statement uh, that Michelle Obama had said is when they lo- when they go low, we go high. And Eric mm-hmm. Holder, Barack Obama's attorney general recently campaigning, said, no, 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 no. When they go low, we kick them. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's uh, it, it's something that uh, I, I agree with uh, Blake Hounshell, who is the editor of Politico magazine. And he said that uh, Avenattiism is spreading in the Democratic mm-hmm. Party. And
2: um, basta, man, basta,
1: basta. Hashtag basta, basta. And uh, look, for for people like you, Charlie, and and many of us at the Weekly Standard, we do not enjoy this sort of, uh, you know, negative evolution in politics, and we shouldn't celebrate it. We shouldn't cheer it. Um, yeah. Uh, but, we, but we
0: have to acknowledge it. Yeah, we, have we,
1: no, we do. It. We we acknowledge it and chronicle it. Democrats acting like assholes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
0: and, um, and Adam and Jim becoming nostalgic for Michelle Obama. This no, is what no, I'm I'm not even nostalgic change. for Michelle
1: Obama. But it, it you know, but, but, but as you point out, we have to chronicle the fact that um, the Democratic Party is 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 succumbing to. Uh, their own version of Trumpism, and yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we we here on this podcast, uh, is, since, since you've been uh, the the host mm-hmm. of this podcast, have chronicled over many many months the kind of absurdities and the uh, asinine and, and almost jackassery of of many people on the right, and uh, unfortunately now it's it's you know this virus is, is 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 growing within the culture of the left, and this is also bad. You know, I, I yeah, think that no, needs it, to be said
0: this is what really struck me here um you cannot be civil with a political party that wants to destroy what you stand for what you care about that is almost word for word the mirror image of what the Trumpists were arguing, what, what, what folks on the right, this seems to me to be so familiar watching a political party convince itself that the other side is so malign, so awful, so far out there, imposes such a, a danger uh, to the future of the republic that any tactic, no matter how extreme, is justifiable. I mean, I cannot tell you the number of emails, the number of tweets that I've gotten from folks on the right who justify whatever the president does using almost exactly the same language, just mirroring it. Adam, uh, y- your thoughts on this? This yeah, has you know, become, I mean, a- again, you know, you, you and we want to talk about your piece about uh, Charlie Kirk's new quote unquote book, making air quotes here, um, mm-hmm. book. But this is sort of what uh, has been peddled among, you know, so- some of the, uh, the-, the-, the rising conservative stars that. That, uh, you know, it's important to make liberal heads explode because liberalism and the Democratic Party, well, almost to use her words, that they're against everything we believe in and they want to destroy everything we care about that is good.
2: Right. So, you know, there was something that happened on CNN. Uh, it, it might have been yesterday, actually. I saw a clip floating around of um, of Matt Lewis, of the Daily Beast, mm-hmm. uh, explaining that there was a mob uh, that – sort of chasing down uh people in in you know, all over restaurants all over. Rest- the supreme yeah. court it was the right. it was it, the one with Mary Catherine Hands. right In in today's editorial uh there was a there was a there's a list that, you know Kristen Nielsen chased out of restaurant you know the department of homeland security secretary it, people are chased out uh Sarah Huckabee Sanders from a restaurant in in Virginia this is this is a uh, this is something that's happening across this country, and for Hillary Clinton to stoke it, to justify it, um, she—it seems like she abdicated the leadership that her party didn't even really want her to have. It's—it's—it's—it's um, it's, it's, it's frankly not so shocking, uh, considering she did something like this back in March, and it—it—it uh, it, it comes full circle though with with uh, Burke Baldwin's. Uh,
0: well, yes, yeah, you would refuse get because there, there is that. And I think we talked about this on the podcast, maybe even yesterday, that this reluctance on the part of, of folks on the left to acknowledge any contribution to all of this, you know, that, that even when you have, you know, extreme acts of, 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 of violence that are committed uh, by folks on the left, any suggestion of, of you know, uh, moral equivalency is completely rejected. So we are in this in this spiral here. The I did think that the uh, the, the Weekly Standard editorial was uh, Was pretty good. One one would think that Clinton. I'm reading from the editorial. One would think that Clinton, who clearly wants another leadership role and who craves popularity, would have sense enough to urge moderation and civility during a dangerously acrimonious time in the nation's history. But that would be to assume Hillary Clinton is a leader. She has always been a follower. Today she applauds the lunatics who harass and scream at those with whom they disagree. What will she applaud tomorrow? And it will be maybe whatever. You know, and I, I do understand the impulse that when you're really upset and you're really angry that that, that you, you are impatient about calls for civility. But but you know, that's where the grown ups in the room basically say, Okay, but you know, screaming at people in restaurants or, you know, making bizarre threats, pounding on doors. You know, this is not winning hearts and minds. This does not get you closer to whatever prize it is you want. But um, that does not seem to be that does not seem to be what we're going to be getting. I, yeah, so certainly from uh, from from Hillary Clinton, a uh, depressing moment. But again, yeah, pretty good indication of the spread of a- Avenattiism, uh, which, by the way, is a thing. It really is a thing. Now, speaking of um grifters and um, oh, whatever, <laughs> I think the last time Adam we had you on the show, we were talking about your profile, your cover piece on Charlie Kirk. And you have followed up um, with a review of his air quotes again uh, book that he's out that he's out with. G- give me give me your, your your quick short take on the book. Uh, I saw a tweet from uh, our colleague Rachel who suggested that you probably spent more time reading this book than he spent writing
2: it. Right. Well, <laughs> well it was only re- it was released yesterday, and uh, and I and I and I read the thing. It's not too long. Uh, it's uh, you know it's a little over a dozen chapters and each chapters no no more than five pages it's you know it's it's it's, it's really not so much a book as a pamphlet or uh, you might say it's I mean or as I did say it's kind of like a mail order it's like it, this isn't a um, it, it, it's not like a, a typical uh book that you would expect out of a publisher, you know, where a publisher has editors and it's <laughs> fact-checked and it's uh, quote-checked, and it, it, it's sort of like he. So had it's a not a book, and it's, just, it's
0: not fact-checked. It's not edited.
2: <laughs> it's
1: it's Publius for twenty-seven dollars.
2: It, it's yeah, I mean, it's. But it's Donald Trump shocking.
0: Jr. wrote the introduction.
2: He did. I mean, they're buds. Uh, Charlie and and uh, Don Jr. are. Uh, are, when I was reporting on the piece, I, I, in my, my the the, the profile, uh, I talked with John Don Jr. a little bit, and he seems to think that Charlie's the uh, the the greatest warrior the right has right now to fight back against. Uh, long, long-time long Republican,
1: longtime Republican Donald Trump Jr.
2: Right.
0: Yeah. Well. Yeah. I, I, here's one of my favorite passages of, of of your review, and here's Charlie recounting an incident where he confronted protesters at a campus speaking event. As I climbed onto the stage, the wild screaming got louder and louder. Charlie Kirk is a jerk. Charlie Kirk is a jerk. He writes, "Nice alliteration that, but I've been called worse."
1: I think he probably had an editor for that passage. Yeah. As you point
0: out, Adam, he apparently – not apparently. He clearly doesn't know the difference between alliteration and rhyme.
2: Well, one of the things that uh, came to me when I was reading this and reporting on the the first piece was that Kirk is a reflection of Trump in many ways. Uh, He's an imitator. Trump does inspire imitators and in his own way – He's replicating what Trump. Maybe this was intentional in his own way. He's replicating what Trump does when he misspells counsel. Like, does he not know how to spell counsel? Like, he, and it frustrates sort of the the elites, the you know people who I I I yeah. I venture to say I, I hope I'm not I'm not uh, offending anyone here, but people who care about grammar and convention and. Oh, that's the least of it. So, I mean, in, in a way, in a way, I don't know. I see Trump trolling. I I, I, I don't expect Charlie to intentionally put false things uh, in his book. But at the end of the day, I think it all comes down to the same disregard for fact. For for yeah. truth
0: for Look this this book is and and you 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 just come out and say it you basically look that's what this book campus battlefield is it's a joke it's a marketing thing but really you right Adam if you're the obviously you weren't worried about offending people when you wrote this. If you're if you're the type of reader who expects better from an author who still technically lives with his parents, the joke's on you. And then you talk about his racket. It's a pretty good racket, actually, and we ought to give Kirk some credit for coming up with the act. His business model is essentially this: provoke leftist students, take video of their reactions, send the video clips to donors to solicit contributions, lather, rinse, repeat. Money flows in, the organization expands, and the culture, the campus, the students are not not for the better. In fact, the worse it gets for everyone else, the bigger Kirk's following becomes. This really does seem, and we're, and we're focusing on this because it really does seem kind of like the model of this new generation of, 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 of grifters that is, is, is sort of plaguing the right these days.
2: It, yeah. I mean, it's certain, it, you're, you're, you're right on the money there. He's, Uh, he's identified something that conservative donors, uh, conservatives or, uh, Republicans for a long time have been worried about, which is the campus. And he's come up with a solution that fits in with the times. It's, it's Trumpism on campus. That's, that's what it is. It's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a bit of, of, you know, put downs of owning the libs. It's, Mm -hmm. um, Well, and,
0: And it's working for him. As you point out, it's one big grift and it's launched Kirk into the first family's inner circle. In the book, he boasts that he's met with President Trump more than 15 times since the inauguration. He also brags that he's the, quote, second most powerful tweeter in conservative politics. But it's not about me, he protests. No, it's not about him. Yeah, there
2: are a lot of other things he brags about in there too like having raised $30 million in the group's existence and there, there are all these little bits that he puts in there and there are links like in text. There are links to find out more and emails that you can email and receive information. It's not so much a book, right, as it is a uh it's as as something you know, you should be able to mail in at the end and get a a free book, like a scholastic. It's like when you finish a box of Cheerios, this is what you would expect to get in 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 the mail from General Mills back to you. It's,
0: it's you know you you have an interesting job, Adam because correct me if I'm wrong about this. your 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 last piece is about your conversation with Francis Fukuyama,
2: right. Yeah. So you've gone from Francis Fukuyama. Charlie Kirk, right? In the the span of you know only a couple hours, it's yeah, it's (laughs) yeah. He's got he's got a wide range. One of one of the the great minds of the you know twenty first century, twentieth century to uh, well. I'll, I'll let the, I'll let the readers of the piece decide. This might
0: be a
1: so little, who, yeah, come to this, ahead, Jim. this might, this might be, uh, Adam might be a little too young for this, but it, it's like those, uh, you know, uh, Sarah McLaughlin commercials donating money for uh, the American humane society or, or whatever. I will remember you, uh, you know, now uh, Charlie Kirk gets to come up with these mailers uh, with his little missives uh, and owning the libs. And uh, so rather than, you know, saving children in Africa or saving pets, uh, you know, you, you you could donate to own the libs,
2: right? You get to decry that there are, are people on on campus that uh, who do, honestly just disagree with you, and so you make fun of them. That's really the state of campus conservatism.
0: Yeah, is. we got a we got a problem. I'm sorry, Adam, to pick on your generation, but we have a problem with young people if 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 there are young conservatives on campus that are reading Charlie Kirk but not Francis Fukuyama you know something's gone terribly wrong here right well, well, and, well and it's also it's also just depressing to, to to think about the fact that look Francis Fukuyama is a tremendously influential intellectual but is he more is he more influential these days than Charlie Kirk
2: well that's i mean well Charlie will tell you that he's mm. the second most prominent uh, conservative on Twitter and he knows this he he cites some independent study yeah. In, in the, so there was some independent broker of, of inf, influence statistics. I don't know how one would really calculate that, be that as it may. He, he says this in the book, right? And he also posts his own tweets in the book. So he quotes himself from Twitter. And these are tweets that he recycles for, over time. So for instance, he'll tweet, the further society drifts from the truth, the more it will hate those that speak it. And he cites himself, and he says he's quoting George Orwell. Well, I looked into this. I spent more than a half hour researching this quote, and it's not George Orwell. So here are all these people reading this that are thinking, oh, here's something George Orwell said. I don't need to read 1984. I don't need to read Animal Farm. Burmese days, Road to Wigan Pier— I can just read Charlie Kirk, and he can synthesize everything for me. Oh, but wait. Uh, it's not George Orwell.
1: Col- college dropout, uh, Charlie Kirk, you know, paraphrasing Abraham Lincoln, whatever you are, be a good one.
2: <laughs>
0: well, you know, it, it, it's also interesting. I, it was, it, I shouldn't be citing anything that I've seen on social media because that, that seems to be sort of a self phone. But, you know, the, the left – and I'm making a segue here – you know, has discovered and it really seems to shock them that the Constitution's um, design of our government is not strictly small d democratic. Have, have you noticed this? The The folks who are now calling for the abolition of not just the Electoral College, but, uh, you know, fundamental change in the, in the U.S. Senate, you know, and uh, – I, I saw an exchange earlier today from somebody who said, "You know, you can't be serious in thinking that the founding fathers actually envisioned the kind of, um, you know, population, um, you know, disparities that we now see in, in between the states and the United States Senate." Which, of course, is like, "Have you ever read any history? Have you ever read the the, the 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 Federalist Papers? Do you understand how big Virginia was when the Constitution was was written?" And and this is one of those moments where we realize that. You know we have a we have a crisis of the media and of politicians and all of that stuff, but we also have a fundamental crisis of citizenship. the The ignorance of the American public, including people who who comment on it, is so deep and so broad. I mean, the the reality is, you know, not to get pedantic here, but we are not a democracy. I know we've said this, but I mean, think about it. You know, yeah, you know, no, um, you know, this may surprise the folks from MoveOn.org, et cetera, but but we. You know, the U.S. Senate is not a democracy, is not structured to be democratic. The U.S. Supreme Court is not structured to be small d democratic. Um, the House of Representatives will see whether or not uh, that's actually democratic. But the entire system of government with the checks and balances and all of that is not designed for majoritarian rule. The government is not supposed to be a, a, a juggernaut. And yet all of that, and, and this was I actually had this moment saying, you know, what is the point for those of us who spend time studying history and studying government, when in fact the decisions are you – know, where the debate is being driven by idiots or grifters.
1: Yeah. I, you know, Charlie, my, my, my first day on the job in like I think February or March of 2007 when I graduated from college, I, I was a semester late because I left college to work on a campaign. I remember getting a phone call working for uh, Senator Kyle – And uh, someone was really, really pissed about uh, some upcoming vote. And they said, you know, if your boss doesn't vote the way that I want him to, I'm going to vote him out in November. Not realizing, of course, that my boss had, you know, been one of like the one or two Republicans who in the Senate who had survived what was a bloodbath in the 2006 elections. And that's when I personally began entertaining uh, and, and this is a personal belief. It's not an editorial belief of the Weekly Standard, but a personal belief that we should absolutely repeal the Seventeenth Amendment. And you know, but to your further point about a lack of knowledge of civics, with, with all these folks who think, oh, majoritarian rule should be the rule all the time, I, I I am constantly surprised when I when I talk to people who are not you know obsessed with politics. I said, oh, what would you do to fix politics? I said, well, I'd repeal the Seventeenth Amendment. And they say, well, what's that? I said well direct election of senators and they're like excuse me i'm like well you know a lot of people i don't think realize that for a, you know a not insignificant portion of the history of our our our, our republic senators weren't elected by their uh, by by actual voters and uh I would love to return to that, but I'm, I'm, I'm in a minority. This is kind of one of my like Yeah, I think you are
0: among things that aren't going to happen. You (laughs) know, the, the abolition of the electoral college or, you know, you know, the, somehow the reapportionment of the United States Senate, but it is an indication of how unhinged folks, um, you know, I've written a book, you know, how the right lost its mind, but that's certainly an indication how unhinged the left has, has gotten. And I I just want to double back on, on two things we talked about earlier and, on the uh, on the on the podcast the the results out of Wisconsin and Hillary Clinton's comments that uh, you know we, we can't we can't afford civility you know the whole story of Scott Walker and his survival of the recall election and Act 10 I mean it's been told many times but I lived through it on ground zero and watched the way you know, Walker went from being quite unpopular and deeply underwater with those collective bargaining changes, and then watching public opinion react negatively to the the protests, uh, which really flipped the script. You know, the the siege of Madison, which everybody thinks of as very nostalgic, you know, as as, as this great moment of uh, of resistance, actually turned off Wisconsinites for what more than half a decade, uh, and and because and you know part of. Scott Walker's persistence in politics, if he's able to eke this out again, it is because of the loyalty that he engendered because of the opposition. So this this embrace of, you know, screaming, you know, uh, you know, neck bulging, spittle flying incivility um, is, you know, I've, I've watched it backfire on the left. But at this point, you sort of feel that you can't talk them out of it.
1: Charlie, do you believe? Uh, I mean, it's interesting you bring up the Scott Walker example because I mean, I mean, you, someone who lives there, you you understand it much, you know, clearer and better than Adam or I do. Um, you, you see this now with Brett Kavanaugh. You see this with um, the media and how the media reacts, and, and you see people who are Trump skeptics and and other sorts of, uh, of folks. Maybe maybe even never Trump folks saying, "Well, you know, the media made me do it." And you know, I, I personally don't believe in that. Do, right. do you? Do you on I mean, it, it, in hearing you describe how, um, you know, with Wisconsin and with, um, you know, Governor Walker and the the Madison protests and the union collective bargaining stuff, I mean, do you personally believe that uh, that can really um, radicalize people who might otherwise just say, no? I mean, I, I just recognize bad behavior for bad behavior. I'm not going to change my views on it. do Do you think that the the actions of many can
0: um... I, do. I, I do. you know again, it's, it's it's hard to say. Um, and this sort of, you know, anecdotal politics is always different. but but I sense that both sides are being radicalized. I mean, that's kind of the key word. And one of the effects that trump has has had, has been, you know, by by having, you know, basically insisting that Republicans and conservatives support his behavior. He has successfully radicalized them. And then you see the anger on the left, which is also radicalizing. So I I, I do see this. And, you know, you mentioned, I think Adam mentioned, uh, you know, Matt Lewis being beaten up on CNN. Do you guys catch Noah Rothman um, from commentary being beaten up over the weekend on uh, MSNBC? where he's trying to explain what a conservative political uh, – well, conservative judicial philosophy is. And he was just pounded for and accused of mansplaining. So these are the kinds of things – you know, people of goodwill that want to engage in these kinds of dialogues. After a while, you realize that you know, you're know you going to be drowned out because the, 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 only the loudest voices, the most extreme voices are going to be heard. I'm not sure that answers your question. No, but no, no. It does. Yeah, but... I, 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 do, I, I do see this. And um, I, it's uh, it's not our politics at its best. That's for sure. That's for sure.
1: But for someone like me who lives in Virginia, it's not going to make me vote for Corey Stewart, who has dalliances with white nationalists. Oh no,
0: no. You know, I mean,
1: no. it, there's it, no, there's it's, no it's, it's a matter that of that. degree. I mean, I, I I get the anger. I get how it can you know radicalize people. But you know, I I think that there are different degrees to which people are willing to to leap in their radicalism and. You know, for me personally, no, I, I'm not going to vote think, for Corey right. Stewart it, 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 because it, I'm it, mad that you know Brooke Baldwin it. couldn't uh, agree with Matt Lewis on you know the Supreme Court people being a mob or the people no, who forced it. Ted Cruz out of a restaurant being a mob. But I mean, also, that was nuts.
2: But also, there's this there's this culture of censorship where if what you say on the news isn't what they want you to say, they'll apply terms to you like this, like the M word. Has anyone ever used <laughs> mob to, to describe <laughs> the term mob? The M word. Like what, what does that even mean? Like what, what are you doing on news saying these things, censoring what – like you bring a, a conservative on the news so they can speak so that you have the – at least a semblance. And they an had appearance, two. An, an appearance of, of yeah. bipartisanship, viewpoint diversity, and you end up just censoring them, talking over them. It, it's – and Matt it's Lewis shocking. is
0: one of the most rational, reasonable, right. Trump-critical conservatives out there, and they, they, he got slapped around.
1: Yeah, and and uh, Mary Catherine Hamm, one of our contributing editors, uh, was there. It was two conservatives, too. I mean it was I, – I, I watched that, and I, I saw a lot of the reactions, and I agree with a lot of the reactions. But on the other hand, for me, it, it doesn't change my views. I just think, yeah, she yeah. she was being dumb, and I agree with
0: that. Well do your your question about the you know the media made me do it. Uh, you know, I, I think, say, in Wisconsin, if people were inclined to support Walker, it solidified the support. um but 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 you're right. it's uh, I I think it's uh, unlikely to make someone support a, you know, a raging white nationalist like Corey Stewart. and And I thought it was going too far to you know, have people, you know, support other candidates who were out there for, you know, I, I would never supported a Roy Moore or it's all or, matters you know, somebody of, like. It's all matters of degree and where you live. Yeah. Well, and that's the question is, what is is there some sort of an acceptable frame um, or when we're radicalized, do we basically say whatever it takes, we hate the other side so much, we're going to grab whatever hammer is at hand, which gets you to Avenattiism, gets you to, frankly, where Hillary Clinton, who does have some responsibility – As a political thought leader, and I thought she abdicated it, uh, you know, horribly. Poorly. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me. I appreciate it. And thank you for listening to The Daily Standard Podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. We'll be back again tomorrow, and we'll do this all over again.